Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative, and lifestyle medicine. I'm in wonderful Bangkok, Thailand, and a new old acquaintance, or an old new acquaintance, is Craig Burton. Uh, Craig is a nutritionist that works, well, he's obviously from Australia, but he works in Thailand. And I just am impressed by, one, his, com- his compassion and passion for what he does, his commitment to really trying to bring whole food to people, realizing that there's individuals and individualization after our generalizations of what's good for most people, and his just absolute commitment with it, and plus he's, he's really smart, and uh, even though um, I think we'll, we disagree on some things, I just uh, love his work, and the talk he gave today is the second time I've heard him speak, but I always love bringing up old things, old and in fact, I used to do it all the time, go into medical journals and go into the 30s and pull out an article. And I just go, see, people have been saying this for a long time. What happened? <laughs> and so he starts off his talk today, and it's about food. And he pulls out from the U.S. Food Administration, which is now the Food and Drug Administration, I'm sure, in 1917, a thing about food. And it says, number one, buy it with thought. Number two, cook it with care. Now, mind you, this is 1917. Number three, use less wheat and meat. Number four, buy local foods. Number five, serve just enough. And six, use what is left. Don't waste it. And this was in the context of his talk, which was how to eat in six simple steps. So before I get into the talk, welcome, Craig. Thanks for taking the time. By the way, we're, I don't know, 20, where where are we? We're up how many stories? 34. We're up 34 stories in a hotel in Bangkok uh, at a HEAT meeting. And I I'm, should know what HEAT exactly stands for, but um, I don't. But it's the anti-aging community here. Sure. So, Craig, before we get into the talk, thank you for taking the time out. I know you're busy. Tell me about you and about your professional career, how you got here, and then why you're here. Thanks, Kurt. It's, a, it's obviously a pleasure to um, see you again, of seeing each other in, in Phuket, where I live, um, where I come from. So the accent will say Australia, born and bred in Perth, Western Australia, on beautiful beaches, in a fruit and veg family, um, who, someone who loves sport, someone who loves being outdoors. And the ideal after going and doing my schooling was to study sports science. As I said today, I, I love how the body, I'm fascinated by how the body moves. And also I studied psychology, how we think. And as a sports scientist, this is 20 some years ago, nutrition was a part of it. But as I talked about today, it was very one dimensional. It was just calories and a food pyramid. And especially after about 15 years, I actually had some gut issues myself, which made me rethink this nutrition that maybe what I thought of just going, okay, most of the people seeing me might want to lose weight, they want to be a bit healthier, let's cut their calories, let's get them to move more. Maybe there's a lot more to it. And I entered, as I talked about, the rabbit hole, and I was very fortunate to be surrounded by amazing functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, and just getting different ideas. And the world is definitely not black and white to me. The world's gray. There's an individuality, there's, for my mind, and it's really kind what you say about me, but my first and foremost job is to listen to a person, 
to find out where they're at and what they've tried and what's, what they think is working for them and, and try to find a plan that's going to work with their body. Try to get them more intuitive. What you said about your kids, I know I'm jumping in. But no, that's what, fine, please. So I just, just quickly, he was telling you how it, you serve the family dishes and the kids choose what to put on their plate, the amounts. Yeah. Um, and, and, and of course you nudge them if there's not enough veggies, I, I got that part. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but the, the, the goal was for the kids to make the decisions about what they need and what's good choices. Absolutely. And plus you probably give them good choices, not a whole there, lot of, there's, I mean, it's what some, it's a big part of my work is to get people to become mindful eaters. We've lost that mindfulness. We've lost, like I said in my talk, that people are just going, oh, signal says I'm hungry. I need to eat as quick as possible or I just need to fill that gap. And I want to raise young people. And so I'm having as many conversations as possible with young people, with parents to say, let's get back to the innate wisdom. And if we can listen to ourselves, then hopefully we can also get away from a lot of these inter-nutritional fights and debates about what food is good for me. Because I think the body is, the wisdom of the body should be listened to. And so for my house, we, yeah, I, I put out every night, there are fibrous carbohydrates, vegetables. There are starchy carbohydrates. They're slow, they're natural. There is a protein and there, is a, there are good fats and there is a selection of foods and people think, oh my God, that must take forever. It doesn't. I just simply, my wife and I, we just don't serve them up. We don't dictate to them how much protein you should have and how many carbohydrates. We basically say it's real food and yes, if there's not enough vegetables, I'll give them a nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. But I, I want them to develop how much they put on their plate. And I always say you can always come back and we have a time for dinner. And for me, the, uh, what I didn't talk about today is, is the whole ritual of eating. That is big. Sitting at a, we have a beautiful table. Um, and sitting down with my kids and my family, that's just as important as the food there. And we've lost a lot of that. We get into debates and fights and, and nutritionists are great at confusing people, great at getting into the nitty gritty. But the actual relationship with food, for me, that, that's got to be prime. And so, I mean, in my family, I, I want to lead by example and I want my kids to hopefully take as much things that I've learned and in and, and terms of passing that on. So, yeah, it's... Uh, so, eat food, and then there's parentheses, real food, real or whole food, food okay? Real food. Um, mostly plants. That doesn't oh, mean from, all plants. That's from Michael right, Pollan, no, yeah. Wrong, but yeah. but yeah, you said that, I've said that, I've heard yeah. you say that several times. So, mostly yeah. plants, I get it, so it's not all plants. And then, not too much. Not too much. So, I'm a Blue Zone freak. And, you know, we've got Harahachibu in that. We've got the examples of all. Harahachibu is eight, eat till you're eight parts full. It's a traditional so, Confucius uh, saying that the Japanese, Japanese use, took on, the Okinawan use it all, yeah. all the time. And when you, look at their, when you look at the foods of all the Blue Zone cultures mm. that live a long time, they said, you actually said something that's, that's missing in my life. I live by myself. Mm. You know, so it's eat on the fly, eat standing, eat yeah. running or whatever. But... All those cultures that live a long time, it's a tremendous social environment around their food. And their food fuels them to do the work that they would have to do all day long. You know? But it's their time to, to recreate and, and, and con converse. So you, you apply that. So you made a comparison at the beginning of your talk with the Food Guide Pyramid. Now, I don't think it's all as bad as most people say, and, and I think you do, but we'll discuss that. But discuss, let's go over those things again, um, food 
buy it with thought, two, cook it with care, three, use less wheat and meat, four, buy local foods, five, serve just enough, and six, use what is left. And then the last thing is not even a rule, don't waste don't it. Waste and didn't you say number seven? No, I don't, don't waste it. Number seven, I, at the end of my talk, I used Michael Pollan's right. quote about eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. So yeah. if you can picture this, and maybe I'll take a picture of it and put it on my website, yeah. but um, it's right. that list is right next to the Food Guide Pyramid, mm. which has been, if there was a mixed martial art food bag, <laughs> that, that it would probably get kicked more than <laughs> Completely. <laughs> so anyway... You take it from there. Start from number one. Sure. If you want to mention the food guide pyramid, but buy it with thought. Yeah. Or, I think what I, you probably what, heard me say quite a few times in the talk, if we can understand and if we can really appreciate that food is precious. Like I said, that I really wanted to emphasize that, that to understand that food is, for me, it is a messenger, it is precious, and every time I eat it, I want to think about it, I want to think how it's going to affect my body. So in terms of this whole idea, starting the process when I buy it to when I eat it, as much mindfulness can go into this process, the better chance I have to not overeat, to not choose inferior foods, to actually digest, because we know from the nervous system, if I'm in a more joyful, relaxed, we'll say parasympathetic state, that's a digestion state. So if I can be as mindful as possible, I not only can make better choices, but I can digest my food better. So the first one, buy it with thought. I made the comparison to say, unfortunately we're not. Where most people who are not having the health that they desire, it's because they're choosing ultra-processed foods. And we see that, I gave the example that more than 50% of the diet in most Western, uh, here was the study out of America, but as I said today, pick a country, the majority of people are consuming, as a percentage, 50% plus processed refined foods. What do we mean by that? Foods with additives, colorings, flavorings, preservatives, long shelf lives, uh, multiple ingredients in there that we're realizing are causing problems, whether it's a preservative causing a problem for the microbiome or these additives and these um, things that are affecting our nervous system. So the first one was understand what is a real food? Where does it come from? So I gave examples. I said, when you're out shopping, please try to aim for as many single item foods before we get too complex. So in my house at dinner, they're real foods. They're foods that my grandparents understood. They're, they're single item foods that have been minimally processed, whole foods if we want to call them, full of oftentimes fiber, full of the, as much nutrients because we can't forget about nutrient density. This whole calorie model forgets about that nutrients, a cell needs fuel and nutrients, number one. Fuel and nutrients. Number two, the ability to remove toxins. And the third is the right pH. If a cell does not have those three aspects, fuel and nutrients, ability to remove toxins, and the right pH, the cell is diseased, damaged. And that causes our, we're just cells. So for me, the first and foremost is, let's choose real food, whole food, nutrient-dense food, and try to reduce the minimally processed food. So because I, I really listened to your talk, <laughs> and so I have a lot of things I want to pull out. That yeah. Craig said he was raised in a family where his dad and mom raised fruits and vegetables, had a, a, a fruit store or veggie yeah, we, stand we, or what it is. Yeah, we had, my parents had a fruit and vegetable shop. A we shop. Did. Now, is that a storefront? That's or a, a store. That's a, uh -huh. a, a, little, a little shop, yeah. Uh-huh. 
So it reminds me of the days when I, my, my Canadian uh, family, you know, my sister, I, I, when I was in my late, early 20s, late 20s, early 20s, I would go up in the Okanagan Valley and they would sell fruit. They had a fruit stand and vegetable business um, that they would sell on the island of Quadra Island. And then they would go pick up the fruit in the Okanagan Valley, which is like the breadbasket of Canada. And we'd go back and pick it and we'd sell it. And that, that eventually led to, you may not know this, but capers in, in north of West Vancouver, which was kind of the, the precursor whole food store. It was a restaurant and whole food thing. But anyway, that's part of who you are. Sure. Right. And when you when you see Craig, handsome young man, I say he's young because I'm old, but handsome young man. He, obviously, I've seen him in the gym. He looks fit. Um, but you could, when he talks about food and maybe you can hear it through the tape, there's there's passion and compassion in it. And I would say that part of that comes from being passed on by your parents in some way. No, I, I think especially on my mum's side, my mum's, my dad's passed away, but my mum is so passionate. She goes, she lives with us now, she's 76 years old, and she'll go to the markets and she'll bring back the food and she gets so excited about food and it's incredible. And I remember growing up as a kid with my brother and we would, how we would display the food and, and uh, there, there was a joy. I mean, there wasn't a joy getting up at 3.30 a.m. to go to the markets and there wasn't a joy sometimes when my mates were surfing. But I appreciate it today that um, food and good food has always been a part of my life. My mum always said, I didn't grow up in a very rich family. Like we were, let's say, lower middle class. But my mum always used to say, we don't have that much, but we've always got real good food. Yeah, and you know, she still says that today. And, uh, and that's, for me, I say three things that I want to raise my children. I want to raise them good health that, as a foundation of food, good education, and lots of love. And if I can do those, then I think, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing okay as a parent. There's a lot of other things, but those three, and that's what I, I especially, I mean, in terms of the, the good start, my mum was really good on saying we're sitting down for like there's a dinner it's a wholesome dinner and that stuck with me yeah sure. i always tell people that when i talk about the whole food concept too it's imagine you're in a farmer's market mm. maybe less the dairy products but whatever's there or yeah, you're in a traditional culture and go you go to the center of town yeah it's all real yeah and that's all you have to think about start start that's simple. easy okay Just start simple. so that's number one and that was yeah. said back in 1917 Oh, well, well that first was buy it with thought, so you obviously yeah. have the loving care and thought into it. Sure. Now, cook it with care is number two. The thing in terms of I spoke about today about cooking it with care is we can take a food, a nutrient-dense food, and through overcooking or cooking in the wrong oils or fats, we can change the nutrient density, meaning we can destroy it. We can destroy the protein in terms of denature, we can um, An example, you said barbecue. I, I gave too, the example. Too heavy barbecue, your brother. I was... gave the example of my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, it's a strange tradition doing a barbecue. Heterocyclic amines. <laughs> exactly. I mean, fried on there. We, we see that the damage of proteins in terms of too much heat. We, we see also in terms of vegetables by overcooking them in terms of the nutrient density. Now, I'm not like totally going, hey, we must eat raw. Some, we know some vegetables increase, like tomatoes with lycopene increase with heat, but just to what extent? And so that's where I am saying, be careful how you prepare the meal. Put just as if we can buy it with thought, then can we cook it with thought? And can we cook it with care? and how we prepare the food because also especially even I, I think 
we, we buy a good food and then we destroy it through the cooking process and the So and tell the us tell us the ways that you consider destroying. I, I think I think overcooking, I think using in this example I talked about oils, using fats and oils that are all especially the ones oh, the damaged. vegetable oils that are already damaged we know that there's not only we we talk about the omega-3 6 ratio that's thrown out so too much omega-6 but we already know that half those oils are what we call rancid they're already damaged and when you're heating it over and over again so not only the process of making them damage the oil but now we're cooking them again and again and we're creating a lot of these free radicals were creating ROS or, and these these type of species of molecules that are destroying cells that are hurting our tissue and so for me how we cook and especially when it comes to oils is I want to be doing like when it comes to whole foods I want the minimal amount of processing I want the minimal amount that could be maximally taking in the nutrients so like I said sometimes steaming a food Blanching a food, cooking a food, roasting a food could increase the nutrient density. It could also help me digest a better breaking down the cellulose. But the flip side is if I go too far, I decrease the nutrient quantity. I get an amazing broccoli with all these benefits and we boil the hell out of it. Suddenly it's like, wow, we've just got a stick of cellulose left. So steaming, quick Quick boiling, blanching, blanching, blanch, yeah. Um, stir some raw stir. Now, when you say stir fry, very. You, you, I mean, you can go to yeah. some Asian restaurants and it's soaked, or you can go. Well, actually, when I watch the a traditional, I think it's traditional. You know, they'll blanch it in water and then throw it in I, quickly I with a little bit of oil. I, that's what I was going to say. So the traditional way is, and what they understood about uh, again, traditional cultures understand a lot of these things. Is first they would put water at the bottom, that blanch it. And then a little bit of oil, sesame oil or whatever, would get thrown in there. And it was a light in terms of the, the pan. It wasn't, it wasn't a boiling, but it was just a, a dash of water in there. Throw in the vegetables, here's some oil, boom, done. We've heated it. We've helped the cellulose break down. It tastes a bit in terms of more digestible. It's all over versus overheating. And even things, I mean, we talk about microwaves and we can talk about changing in terms of nutrients. But um, what I see today is a lot of the foods are... Uh, in terms of the refining process, the first process, that they've lost nutrient density and then they get to the cooking part and we've lost even more. Or worse, we've started damaging things, proteins damaged, fats damaged, and that's causing inflammation. It's causing oxidation in the body. It's causing cellular damage. Okay. So let's talk about something we probably half agree on. Okay. So let's, let's talk about still in the cooking and then we're going to sure. move on. So sure. it seems like steaming, quick, quick parboiling, quick stir frying, we got that. So when you use oil in cooking, mm. let's say olive oil, mm. and you've got your bottled, your bottled, pungent smell, polyphenolic olive oil, and are pouring it out. Yeah. So where do you use that? Do you use that in a dressing? Do you use that on cooking? Do you what? And 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 are you using, for example, two tablespoons, or are you just sinking the boat? Like our conversations that we've had, we 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 often we can go to extremes, can't we? Um, so for me, something like olive oil, there is no like. Me personally, there is no salad without a dash of olive oil. Like, uh, well, a dash is different. Well, now, I, mean, I don't know what a dash means. Yeah, a dash. <laughs> a dash. I mean, in terms of, say, depending on how big my salad is, it might be a teaspoon up to a tablespoon. And it depends on a few factors. So, from, so if we go through, like, what, what foods do I use it with? So in terms of raw, adding, adding that to the salad when it comes to cooking, I don't like heating olive oil too much. Now... As I said today, I would rather 
overheat an olive oil than a refined seed oil like sunflower oil or something like that that's already damaged. But we know that too much heat and an olive oil mostly containing monounsaturated fats, it has some saturated fats, has some polyunsaturated, but most of the oils have a combination. But the more double bonds that the oil has without getting too chemistry, the more potential it is affected by heat the more potential it could be oxidized. So that's why the saturated fats generally have a greater tolerance. Now, there's a whole controversy in terms of using like the coconut oils, good, bad, and all the rest, the butters, the geese. Um, I do use them if I'm gonna use a little bit more heat, but my olive oil is my salads, my lightly cooked vegetables, if they're gently on the pan or something like that. So I don't, wanna, I don't wanna heat it too much. It's precious, it's expensive, it's going to be damaged by too much heat. But, but like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll use that, I'll heat that over, a, over one of those refined seed oils any day. Well, it's the way I look at oil. So I, I love olive oil, but I don't use it very much or hardly at all. I've kind of swung the other direction. Okay. And, um, and part of it's because the, the, the diets have shown reversal. The two, uh, Dr. Esselton and Ornish's, don't use oils in their heart reversal diets. Sure. Um, and also there's some studies that show endothelial function is, is in negatively affected. Okay. Though I've, so, so that's the question. And, and, and part of my chip on my shoulder is that I get people who, you know, the Mediterranean diet gets thrown around, thrown around all the time. And the problem is, is that people mention me three things, fish, olive oil, and red wine. And if I took all those out of the, the traditional, traditional Mediterranean diet, we'd be left with a diet that could reverse heart disease. And that's beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, vegetables, and fruit. That's the, so everybody loves to talk about these three. Now, I have a, a theory that they're easily sellable and marketable, and that's why they get talked about the most. Okay. We have olive oil stores. In the States, we do. Mm. Um, you know, red wine's red wine. <laughs> you know? it's, a different, it's a different kettle of no, fish. Right. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. I'm saying, and, and fish are fish. In fact, the Icareans on the same island, they're one of the longest living cultures in the world. The fish eaters don't live, and they both live long times without Alzheimer's, but they don't live as long as the people up on the top of the mountain. Now, maybe due to your exercise that they exercise more and they don't eat that much fish up there. But my point is this, is that I think that they may go along with the diet, be somewhat helpful, but I think humans want to grab onto single things to make them. So if you took the American diet and you poured olive oil all over it, extra virgin, the best one possible, and you had three glasses of, two glasses of red wine a night, okay, and you had a piece of fish every night. So what I'm saying is that I want to focus on this part and then, you know, a little bit of those things. I'm not sure. I'd love to do a study someday again on, on the basket effects of, of olive oil. But anyway, so I think you put it in a really good state. I, I do. And, and I hope someday it shows that it's wonderful and everything like that so I can pour more stuff on my, my oil. Yeah, I mean, and, there's, and there's, something, there's something to be said on your comment because the final part is this love for food. So for, when it comes to me, as we said, there is, I'm thinking about food 80% wise, what's gonna, how's it going to affect my cells? Mm -hmm. How's it going to affect my biochemistry? 20% I might be saying, how's it going to affect my taste buds? I agree. And, and How I want the joy of eating in this community thing. And even if something was maybe not as good, but the joy of eating and that it's still in the whole food family, then I'm like... I totally agree. I, I, I totally agree, and, and I would say this, there's no question that there's cultures who live a long time eating 
low-fat diets and higher-fat diets. Absolutely. I mean, so take the, med the traditional Mediterranean, okay? And then you can go over to Loma Linda where they might have a more lower-fat diet. So I get it. And, and I hope someday that, I, you know, I mean, I do. I just, that that's a, it's, it's, it's a problem. The only reason it's a problem is that people want to make new things simple and they want it to fit into their world. Sure. So if I can say I can have three glasses of red wine, I'm, I'm not, I'm serious. I mean, people do that. Yeah. So if I'm having my couple glasses of wine a night, no problem, you know, and they pour oil all over food. And here's the other thing. It's not quite right to say, even though extra virgin olive oil, it's not a whole food. Oils are processed foods. You, you're so, right. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Mm. I smell it. I get the green stuff, mm. you know, I, I get all that stuff, but it's still not a processed food. And, and I think, Getting back to the original statement about whole foods, the things that get put into our diets are usually the omega-6 oils. So when you buy, and we'll get into wheat in a second here, but when you buy a wheat-containing product, you're not buying a wheat berry by itself. You're buying a refined piece of wheat with all the fiber off it and oil and sugar put on top of it. Okay, And that makes it a different animal than just wheat. But anyway... We're off that. I don't want to beat that one to death. Oh, next one is. <laughs> We're on to so, wait now. So Let's 1917, use less. And again, these were from the U.S. Food Administration food recommendations that says use less wheat and meat. And do you know where this came so, from? So this is, a, yeah, in terms of the U.S. Food Administration, so we've got to put context in there. This was a recommendation based on a war. World War I. World War I. So, what, so where these came from, as I said in my talk, I said these came from a war situation. They came from basically saying, we need to uh, maybe reduce some foods. We need to think about how we're going to get through this war. We need to reduce, we need to be as healthy as possible. We need to, we're not able to import so much. We're not in terms of the growing, like our ability to grow and, and, to, and to have produce. So we really kind of need backyard Look after it, like look after ourselves. So that was that mentality, and as I talked about today, where I'm, I kind of made the statement that I think today we're in a bit of a war situation, and it's a war with a what I consider preventable disease epidemics, where obesity and diabetes and things like that, and and old rules like this make sense for me. They make sense to go back and and, and re remember that. Food is precious. Mm -hmm. So even so, back then though, the meat was probably a little bit healthier cr created. My guess is I don't know about I don't know about food. Um, I mean, meat production back in the seventies. No, no. the the biggest The biggest change to meat production, this factory farm, right. came after the Second World War. They realized in terms of industrial production and same in terms of a lot of foods that really kicked in. I mean, we knew breakfast cereals began, especially with Kellogg's, uh, late 18, early 1900s. That started kicking in, so changing our diet, adding break, like in terms of the type of breakfast cereals and things like that. But factory farms really kicked off after the Second World War. So if we're talking in context of saying, okay, well, we didn't, they weren't using antibiotics, they weren't using growth hormones, why were they saying use less meat? And part of it was just because it's just we don't have as much in terms of the, the ability to raise livestock. Um, we can't do it as well. And the same with wheat. We can't produce these crops to the extent because we've lost labor and in terms of the time put into making, so, so sowing, reaping and doing all that. So let's have vegetables in the backyard. Let's have the most simple products. That's where they came so from. So let's flash forward mm. and, I, and, and why you highlighted those. Why wouldn't you eat more meat and wheat now? 
So I'm, I'm yeah, being the devil's so, advocate because yeah, I have absolutely. my own answer. So, so, so my argument today is I totally agree with you in terms of the wheat that is served today has been stripped. Like if we look, and I made the example of my daughter going to school, and she did a little My Plate as part of her science nutrition lesson. And what did she come up with? In her grains section, she, brought a, she had a picture of a baguette, a refined, in terms of wheat product. And so in terms of nutrient density, it's lacking in nutrient density. It's lost, as we said, the fiber. It's lost some good fats in there. And probably in terms of it's basically that flour is very inflammatory and we know in terms of its role for insulin. So I spoke about wheat in relation to insulin and blood sugar regulation and saying that a massive part, what I believe, is the overconsumption of refined grains and this whole topic is about refined things, especially having our refined breakfast cereals, our Kellogg's cornflakes or our whichever version that we have. Then we have our white bread sandwich for lunch and maybe a bowl of pasta for dinner, those sort of, those sort of examples. And that is driving, in my opinion, a lot of the obesity epidemic because it's a food that lacks fiber, as I said, what I showed was the insulin index and what the insulin index, the foods, how foods affect insulin showed that fat and fiber are two of the biggest balancing parts to blood sugar and obviously to our, in relation to the, the spiking of insulin. This could be a whole talk and I don't want to yeah, awesome. get started, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try. So here's the thing though, when you say wheat, if I said to a patient, don't eat wheat products, and I do that all the time, I just don't eat wheat products. It's not a bowl of wheat berries they're getting off of. It's not a bowl of whole grain wheat or even cracked wheat, okay? It's Flour. the muffin, the chip, the cracker, the sweet, okay. But you see what happens is, because I, in fact, the wheat belly book, no one has ever, when they say get off wheat and they make wheat an evil thing, if we took those wheat berries off, even the, the GMO ones for the heck of it, and we cooked those like brown rice, I'll bet you, it's totally different. So what, and, and the, pro, what the, the point I'm getting is the message is carbohydrates are bad mm. because every 90% of the carbohydrates us Westerners eat has some wheat in it attached to sure. sugar and oil. Sure. Bad oil, too much sugar, yeah. and no fiber. Spot, spot on. Those three things. Those are the things I try and educate yeah. people on. So I tell my, just eat your grain in a bowl. That's all I say. But what that does, that one rule, wipes out every processed food that's in Starbucks except the oatmeal, okay? So, and that's even flattened a little bit, but we'll take that, sure. okay? So to me, see, the, and, and the message I hear every time I go to a conference, every single time, and patients walking through the doors, carbs are bad. And yet, every, every culture that lives a long time eats a carbohydrate-rich diet, not just non-starchy carbohydrate, like vegetables, there's, obviously. There's whole grains in the Mediterranean diet, Sure. okay? Um, in fact, the Icarians have this wonderful dense sourdough that they cook. Yeah. Okay, um, there's root vegetables. There's yeah. so the point I'm trying to make is is that that gets clouded when you hear the message carbs. I mean, I have patients walk in and go, "I'm off carbs and I can't lose weight," and then, and then I mean, I, I go to some conferences. I can where people it falls off if they just eat unprocessed carb. Yeah. So that's the only thing. It's I think our messages are very similar, but what happens is I'm very sensitive because people get confused. And the glycemic index was actually invented by Dr. David Jenkins, who is, is actually a staunch vegan. And people don't know that. And well, uh, people do, but pasta is actually a medium range. It's not a bad food in and of itself. 
Okay. Depending on which one. Right. So it's like a potato. If you eat a whole potato, not the potato starch that they did in the glycemic index, sure. this is a different animal. And, and, you know, if you want to stretch it a little bit, the Okinawan sweet potato was one of the longevity foods that they ate with 60% of their calories. When, you know. So I know we're kind of talking about the same thing, but the only thing I, reason I'm bringing it up is because I see confusion every single day. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? So as much as I'm a vegan, okay, but I say eat a palmful of animal food a day or less. Okay. Just what I'm trying to be simple-minded, you yeah. know, and the rest is unprocessed, yeah. you know, and but the the carb thing it just gets confusing. So and anyway, I, I totally agree with you, and, and that's why I wanted to, in terms of the the talk, stress and show, like here we go, white bread right at the top. Here we go, refined grains right at the top, and I totally agree. We look at somewhere like the Kitakins out of Papua New Guinea, we compare what their diet is in terms of it's mostly a carbohydrate diet. It comes from the, the root, the starch, <clears throat> from the tree and the root vegetables. And if you came to my house, you would see the sweet potatoes are nearly always on the menu. Sweet <laughs> so potatoes. We, uh, so when I come to, sometime to you Australia, come to my house, you'll see sweet potato everywhere. Like, that's right. Because for me, I, one of the things is, is for clients, and I often see that, they go to extremes. And I, I'll tell them, for, I do, I've used the ketogenic diet for clients, and successfully, very successfully. Now, we might say, well, Craig, did you try another one? How would you compare and all the rest? But I, I've, I've seen enough to see. Now, my ketogenic diet is a lot of good fats. There is the olive oils, the avocados, the nuts and seeds, and all those sort of things. And we look at an Inuit-style diet, even, which has the animal products, and we see their, their level of health. And we look at Kitakins, or we look at some in terms of Okinawa with a high carb, and we see both groups still showing really good this signs. Group, oh, well, 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 wait a minute. We're going to go, well, you're going to go wait, in the, wait, after the, the Inuits. The Inuits, for whatever reason, they don't live a long time. And they don't live without vascular disease. They have thin blood. Interest, interesting studies when, um, in terms of, I mean, one, their environment. Oh, no, I get it. I mean, they have to eat the way they eat. I'm not they, doubting that. And they can remain somewhat healthy, but they don't have longevity. We're talking about reversing, keeping away chronic disease till we're 90 and 100 that, to, for societies of the world. But what they didn't have was the level of like heart disease or cancer till they moved to a, a Western, uh, to okay. a Western well, we'll, model. We'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on, on those. Okay. I mean, it's, it's still, we're trying to find out in, the, in terms of the make sure, I, I, I love talking to him. So we want to make sure we stand. So <laughs> we're going to stay on top. Wheat and meat. Okay. So. so my point with wheat is exactly like yours. It is we need to reduce what most people are using in terms of grains are refined grains. And that's where most of the, the imbalance in the oil comes from. It's shoved in that processed carbohydrate. And that's what drives me nuts, where someone would just say it's the carb. But what I tell people, when you eat that carb, you're eating sugar and fat and the wrong kind of fat yep. that's now creating that inflammation. So everybody's got to take a boatload of fish oil to try and balance off. Well, that's the theory. Sure. You know. Well, that's, I mean, because in terms of grains, we know that there's a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. All so, right, we're talking to Greg okay. Burton here. I knew we'd get off. But <laughs> my half hour just exploded. Uh, Greg, we'll keep it. going. Um, meat. So by, well, meat. You, we finished that? We right, both, no, okay. no, no. Each, I mean, I know what you're going to say, but go ahead and say Give yeah, me two, two minutes on what kind of meat yeah, you think look, are good I, for people. I, like I said, I, for a period of my life, I was vegetarian. I felt that my body, however, being on my... I was a, I was a clean one, a good mm -hmm. one too. I bet you were. Um, Hare Krishna, brown rice, lentils, beans, and all that. Yeah. But I felt that my body needed animal protein. Now, does it? Do I live off animal protein? No. 
Um, I, as I said, might come and sit lunch with me, and you'll see this daily in your in your diet, pretty much. I, I, in terms of fish, like it's a it's a tough one. I I would say like yeah, okay, a small portion of something every day, yeah, yeah, and yeah. in different versions. I mean, I'm very big on quality. I'm very big on so where when you we say get, a portion. So this is so a, for my so for my my mind in terms of if someone was to say like how much do I consume mm -hmm. per day. Let's say for a serving, it might be a palm size. One serving a day or two or so three? Depending, depending on the day, depending on how much training, depending mm -hmm. on how I feel. Um, some, days, some days it might be zero to one. Some days it might be two. Some days I've even had three before. Gone crazy. Mm -hmm. So really, I am very much, like I said, an intuitive eater. What changed my life was actually in the start when I had massive gut problems was uh, a caveman paleo style mm -hmm. diet um but i and i noticed when i'm when i was in germany i did eat probably more animal protein while i'm in thailand a bit more relaxed bit in terms of here i eat more seafood um probably less in terms of animal protein so the thing that i tell all clients to do is just try to listen to your body including your digestion well here's my here's my theory Shoot. so um i uh so i've been a vegetarian for 25 years and or 20 years now I can't remember and, and maybe a, a, a vegan for 10 years but there was one time where I thought that I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth so I switched my diet for three months about five or six years ago okay now I like meat I never became a vegetarian because I don't like meat okay. I mean when I say meat animal foods like I, sure, I, sure, sure. I could easily you know there's some vegans that like get nauseated and yeah, repulsed it's not you no no not at all <laughs> um, but Here's the one thing I realized when I did this. You know, I, I actually liked the taste of it, and then eventually I said, ah, I don't know if this is working out, so I got to go back because sure. it, it doesn't resonate with me. But here's where I think why it's so easy to go to a paleo diet when you're, let's say you're eating a high processed carbohydrate mm. diet, okay? You have to replace those calories. When you, and see, we are surrounded in Western culture, we are surrounded by processed carbohydrate. Completely. That is our main nemesis. Completely. Okay, because if, if I just said one rule, get rid of all processed carbohydrate, the health of America would dramatically change overnight. Completely. So why it's so appealing to people, because people like, I think, the concept of meat and protein to be big. In America, we like, I'm, I'm talking from America, I think people just like to be big and strong, and they, they relate that to it. But you have to replace your calories with something. And if you're not, we are surrounded more by, like when I, when I was looking around, I go, it's easy for me to go in and get a, piece of chicken breast and a, a green salad from somewhere or mm. it's easier but when you're a vegetarian you have to delineate between bad and good carbohydrate and you're surrounded by bad carbohydrate mm. so when you're starving it's not oh here's a boil of here's some a quinoa perfectly cooked with you know i mean it's just not hanging out you have to bring your own i have no, no, quinoa in the no, fridge no, but, no the joke but, no, but that's <laughs> what i'm saying your you're, you're you're going into starbucks and they're you know they, yeah i used to eat oatmeal in starbucks and and, and you know i mean because when i wrote my book and i would spend hours in there yeah. and and you know the temptation you know and yet that's what they're surrounded with. So I think that part of the thing is, and then you feel better because you got off junk carbohydrate with bad sugar and oil. And so then it's easier to say, see, this diet works great. And you improve things. That's my own thing. It's just easier because we're surrounded by so much bad processed sugar oil, fiberless carbohydrate. That's just, that's I, my no, own. No, I, I think there's definitely some, some merit in that. I know in my case that I actually created 
and we've heard about it today, and we, we know in terms of this intestinal permeability, this leaky gut, right. but I was reacting to a lot mm -hmm. of foods. I was reacting to beans and legumes, right. reacting to even sourdough rye. Like, my kids have sourdough rye. My wife's German, German baker. So I joke, I'm a fruit and veggie <laughs> son. She's a baker's daughter. And um, so she knows how to make good sourdough rye bread, and my kids have that. But I reacted to beans and legumes, to dairy products, which we can talk in terms of that. But even good, like what we might think of like a kefir or something right. like that. So I was reacting to these foods too. And part of it was just because I destroyed my gut through some bad practices. And so that diet was very helpful and was recommended in terms of when I first heard about it and a doctor said, hey, I really recommend you try this. Let's, let's do an elimination style diet and made a big difference. Fortunately, uh, healing my gut by bringing new foods back in and having some oats and things like I, that. I think we're, we're on this. In fact, you'll see that in my book. I'm going to have chapters on elimination diets yeah, and the caveman yeah, yeah. diet. And, and I think that that's correct. I think that, you know, coming from if I'm counseling a vegetarian, you know, and they really want to be it, you got to watch out for those things. Yeah. I mean, I've actually got, you know, go on a grain-free vegetarian diet for a while. Yeah. Or, or I don't like, I hate saying that about beans, but sometimes I have to do that because they're, they're superfood. Okay, great. So let's keep going. Okay. I'm not trying so to cut you short, four. but I promise. <laughs> so buy local foods. Yeah. Why buy local foods? We know that when we ship a food, we, we, we pick a food too early, let's say a, a, a fruit, we, we pick it too early, it should have been stuck on that tree to ripen naturally. We put it, in a, put it in cold storage, I mean this is what I saw in my parents shop, we send it to the other side of the world, I mean what level of nutrients is, is coming there? Well the argument would be though, I mean if I can get fresh fruits and vegetables from Chile, I mean, when fresh, that's, that's, that, well, that wasn't quite a correct statement. Yeah. While in America. Yeah, if, if they get shipped there, number one, that would still be better than any processed food. You're going on that, at least. Right? Ab right. look I at it. And I want to support absolutely. local farmers. I'm in the breadbasket of the freaking world, almost. One of the sure. world there in the San Joaquin Valley and the Sacramento sure. Valley. Um, so let's say it's a little more nutrient-dense. I mean, oh, look, we, again, you, you're spot on. I mean, if we're comparing a Twinkie with an apple that was stuck in cold storage for six months that right. came across the world, we're still going to choose the apple. Right. I think the point, they, the point they made was obviously, hey, we don't have the resources to be importing, so you right. need to really focus on local. And for me, I actually, again, one of the biggest things I talked about and I really tried to emphasize in my talk was having a relationship with food. And even if possible, relationship with the grower. And that's why I'm such a fan mm -hmm. of farmer's markets and, and, and getting to know your produce. And when you buy a food and you have that possibility of buying it directly from the market, and I, I'll always go out of my way. I'll drive for an hour to, to go there. <laughs> and I have this relationship with the grower and I can find out how they did it. I get it. I get when it. When I serve that food, when I eat that food, it's a different state of mind. I've, I've put effort into it. And we know the things that we put effort into often the ones that we reap, we reap the benefits. So for me, if a person wants to become really, uh, have a great relationship with food, if they have the possibility to shop at a farmer's market, to shop locally, yes, the, it was picked the day before, two days before, you're going to have greater nutrient density if you can do it great. But it doesn't mean, obviously, as I've seen, I had a family, a whole family recently came and see me from Dubai, and they talk of... Uh, 
Abu Dhabi and they basically, their diet was full of junk food. And I said to them, why is your diet like this? And they said, well, most of the food, the fish is all polluted. The food comes from the other side of the world, all this sort of stuff. There's and I said, but you can't compare this <laughs> food that you're eating with the food that maybe was shipped all right. and all the rest. So it was like, come on, let's, let's use common sense. So start with common sense, but if you have the possibility right. to shop locally, please go for Do it. Do you grow your own garden? Here, I started, I actually started aquaponics. I wanted to, I, I like experiment. The, unfortunately, it didn't work so much here in Phuket. And my mum, who's got the greenest thumb in Australia, um, we just can't grow anything in Phuket. It's the strangest thing. Everyone says you grow it in Chiang Mai. But, um, so we're going to have to, we get most of well, our Well, you know, when there. I was in the Marshall Islands and I went there for a diabetic project. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, they, it's very difficult to grow a wide variety of, of crops. Yeah. And so because there's now government subsidized and they got off their traditional diet and it's, it's, it's a mess. But um, maybe there is something to certain island. They can't have the broad spectrum. They had, you know, those five or six things, you know, bandanas, peely leaves, and there's a few yeah. other things that they used to grow. Um, okay. We do, we do have banana trees in our backyard, papaya trees, and we, so we have fruit. But the vegetables are so, tough to grow. So, <laughs> so you, you know what a Costco is? Costco. A Cos Costco. So, I, when I, when I, I studied in America, yeah, these right, massive right, stores right. So, with bulk foods. So this will drive you crazy. So what's interesting about Costco is I don't know where they get their organic stuff mm. because it's easy. I don't have to go to like the local co-op anymore or the local, um, yeah, the natural food co-op or sure. wherever, or Whole Foods or whatever. Sure. Costco has s probably 70% of the choices that I would pick are already organic right in front of me. Wow. Now, I always wondered this though. So when I buy my sweet potatoes, they come big six huge giant ones in a bag and they're all perfectly the same size. And I'm going, that's not the way it looked like when my mama and I had a backyard, you know, but maybe they've got it down to a science and they don't use the chemicals, but who knows? Yeah. But that's still a better choice for most people. Do you know what? If you have that possibility, I mean, it, we've, got to, we've got to talk with rangers and we've got to say where a person's at. And so if, we, if the, we put the bar too high and we say you can only have these foods and it's only organic and it's not sprayed and all this, then we get the alternative like the family that says, well, I can't do this. I throw in the towel and I'll just eat Twinkies. And it's like, come on, just do the best you can. Do one. Like I say to often a lot of clients, it's like, where do we start? And it's like, okay, tell me what you, eat. Tell me what you ate last week. Let's aim for a little bit better. All right, let's keep going here. All right, so we got two more left. Well, we got actually three. Serve just enough, use what is left, and don't waste. So let's serve just enough. How do you serve your food? What, how do you keep your kids? Well, they're eating good food, so it doesn't matter because it's self-regulated. Oh, I mean, they have a school and they have things like that. But I, I think in terms of serve just enough comes from this idea of that a lot of the population, like I showed some slides, that uh, shows that we are, for a lot of us, overeating. Now again, what are we overeating? Because it's harder to eat. We know the studies, it's harder to eat whole, real foods with fiber, things like that. So if we cut out, like you say, if we cut out a lot of these refined wheat grain products, if we cut out a lot of these products, then we wouldn't eat as much because they stimulate appetite. So in terms of trying first, I, the rule is, 
could you just try to reduce the amount of processed food that you're having? It's causing the most damage. Could you replace it with whole food? So if it's white bread, let's go to a sourdough rye. If it's or an oats or something like you say, if we can do that, watch what happens to your appetite. And so going down that route, I showed an example of McDonald's in there in 1950s versus today and the amount of supersize me and I also talked about plate sizes and things that we just we've got this we've got into this habit of for a lot of people over consuming and this is where we look at and we spoke before about blue zones where they had this idea of eating to 80 percent where we actually can eat mindfully and say I'm nearly there I'm gonna leave a little gap I can walk after I eat that's what I want to encourage clients could you get up on the table and go for a walk and feel great could you leave just a gap at the well, top? You know, it's interesting. So Dan Buna came up with his little other list besides yeah. that. And um, one of them was, interestingly enough, 10-inch plates. And I never thought of this. Serve the plate, put all the food away. And then just... So in other words, don't leave it on the counter where you can go back for seconds and thirds. Mm. Now, I don't know if that worked for me. But I'm just, that seems weird to me. But that was one of the things. And so smaller plates. Yeah. And... Pack it up and, and put it away and then eat what's on your plate. One of the centers that I work at in Phuket, when I arrived there five years ago, I told a story, they were massive plates. And what they also did, now it was a raw vegan place, but all the nuts and seeds were in this, like they would make these combinations and little falafel, what, these type of foods with the nuts and seeds, but they would put them in these open bowls and they'd have this big serving dish like serving spoon and people would dollop it on and it was beautiful, it tasted amazing and all the rest. But we've noticed people weren't, like they would come to lose weight, they'd be there three weeks or whatever. So and some of them, rich. I know these, like those sort of foods. And so we came to the conclusion and I, fortunately it was, okay, let's put more leafy greens, let's put more greens on there. But also, let's put them in smaller serving dishes. Let's actually give people a perspective, especially at the start, sometimes people need training. I said, in my house, we have the, the open platter, and I say to the kids, don't, oh, you can always come back, but I want you to first, like, don't overfill the plate. Eat what's, eat what's on there, and then, and then later come back. Um, because I want them to say, all right, if they were hungry, I mean, my kids do a lot of sport, and say a person Your doing a lot of sport, they're going, so I don't, I don't want to deny, I just want them to become more mindful. Yeah, I think in kids, you know, you just it's have a, good food around you as and, much as you want. And just go for it. Yeah, I mean, but I, even for adults, what I'll say is, just in terms of your plate, try to be, and this is a beautiful thing in Thai, they come out in all these little dishes, and they, they when they get their plate, they don't overfill it. They just put little parts, and then they'll go back again. So and well, then did you, go back did you happen to notice at lunchtime today? Today was different a bit. No, no oh. but uh, we all do it. I mean, I do it. So there's, if you would have been at lunch today, there was a wonderful spread, actually. Oh, it's beautiful. And then he has wonderful sweet stuff at the end of it. No, lots of good choices mm. of good food. And you just watch people. I mean, I do it all the time. I mean, so I, you know, I just, you know, I, I, ate, I ate more than I would. I, I go, well, because it's there and it looks, I want to try, you know. And so the buffet concept, um, you know, <laughs> you, you talked about it, but I'll go to a plant-based meeting. There's a plant-based healthcare meeting in a couple of weeks and they serve you. And it's, I just, it's, I, I laugh sometimes because people go back for three and four platefuls. And, and, but there is no, it's pretty hard to get fat there because it's, it's they don't even have a lot of nuts leaves. and seeds. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of leaf. Well, no, leaf and whole grain, but there's nothing. There's not, not a lot of nuts or seeds. But yeah. still, the concept is, our minds, you know, God, it's for, it's there and it's it's for free, I guess. <laughs> you know, and we eat more. 
And that's and that is that is the the flip side of the coin. The doing a buffet style could go that way, but I think if you get used to, like for me again, dealing in terms of a lot of parents and I, if they can get used to that discipline and listening to their body, they can set themselves up. I love the way you feed your kids. I think that's. I mean, it's ingenious, I think, but I'm, I don't, I just, I just think it's a great way, I mean, to teach responsibility to a kid. I mean, I, I just think that's, that's great. And, and they'll feel natural fullness from the diet you're giving them, I mean, because they're not getting that bombshell of fat and sugar from, you know, that's, on, you know, dopamine on steroids. All right, the next one, number six, use what is left. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know in 1917 they're saying, hey, you, like, food is precious. But for me, the same applies in the different context and saying, okay, in this regard, just treat food as sacred. So while I don't agree to the philosophy of clean the plate, so it's on your plate, you have to eat it. I'll say to my kids too, like, if you've had enough, you feel okay, put it away. I want you to respect your body, respect your body. Um, so that use what is left the first time I read it, I was like, yeah, I don't really, my philosophy doesn't like it. So, but part of me said, well, can we use it in a different context? And can we just, can we just get people to think about food as being precious? Can we just get into that a mindful place and say, okay, I'm not going to overfill my plate. I'm going to eat slowly. I'm going to respect food. I'm going to get used to trying to get an idea about how much I need to eat so I don't waste food. Um, I think in terms of, maybe not from health, but there are other problems in terms of weight, food wastage. Mm -hmm. So, And you had those powerful pictures on the slideshow uh, today of yeah. the, the kids eating out of the, of the dump. Off the road. Off the, or yeah, wherever it was. Or whatever it was. And I use that for today in the context when I get a client, like I said, I get a clients and people kind of proudly sometimes even say, I know what my problem is. I just eat too much. And it's, it's for me often trying to get deeper with a person and try to understand what is the behavioral context, what is the mindset behind this and how do we change this and how do we get a person to, to get a new relationship with food. And I use those three things in terms of self-preservation, like getting people to think about how it affects their body in terms of the second about thinking about taking like how you would be responsible for someone else because um, we look after people better than sometimes we look after ourselves. As I use the example from Jordan Peterson's book about there's a rule number two, we look after our pets better than we do ourselves. And number three was, yeah, if you want to, guilt. <laughs> except, except, except. I, have, I was just thinking about this today, about writing a book. <laughs> because, you know, why we, you know, why we feed our pets food that kills them. In America, like I can't speak for the rest of the world, you can look at a pet and look at the person Something similar. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I, I have some personal experiences where people feel their pets and, the, you know, the dog's got arthritis and he's got dermatitis and he's got them going, well, really? <laughs> it's pretty obvious why. Um, so anyway, that just makes me yeah, laugh. No, no. Yeah, no, no. There's always, I mean, I, there's <laughs> always sure those, those parts to it, absolutely. Um, and that was part of the don't waste part. So the, the six rules again were, and this was in 1917, we're thinking about um, World War One time, but... Food, it says, and it's from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, 1917. One, buy it with thought. Two, cook it with care. Three, use less wheat and meat. Four, buy local foods. Five, serve just enough. Six, use what is left and don't waste it. And 
This will be a long interview. I hope some people listen to it. Craig, how do you practice? Do you practice just locally in, in Phuket or do people do Skype on the internet? What do you do? What do you, what do you want? I'm, so I'm based in Phuket. I look after, uh, so I do clinical nutrition for a lot of the centers there, which is uh, working with a lab, working with in terms mm-hmm. of functional medicine dots to, mm-hmm. to try to optimize. Uh, I do talks at these centers to like today. But a good chunk of my clients are on Skype, Zoom, international. Right. Person so comes to my, my even, website and then uh, we go from there. So let's do this. So um, even though we differ a little bit, I think we agree like 90%. And I think he'd be a fabulous um, person to help whoever listen, um, really. So if anybody that's listening wants to contact you for a consult or see your work website www.craigburtoncoaching.com so craig c-r-a-i-g burton b-u-r-t-o-n coaching.com so did they do that or did they email you so you can go to my website there's some information on there about who i am what i do and there's a contact formula there that you can just send me um, fill out the contact formula and get in touch there and we can go from there so and don't take this as a slight because this is a compliment um Craig's really smart and, and well-read, well-rounded, but what makes him even more different than his knowledge is his, I said it, and it just popped out of my mouth when I was first talking to you, passion, yes, compassion, um, what do you, mindful nutrition consulting, <laughs> that's, the, I like it. I like that's exactly it. what comes across, I like it comes across, so my name is Kirk Hamilton. This is Staying Healthy Today show, and you can go to stayinghealthytoday.com. I usually have a summary underneath this, though this one's going to be a little difficult because this is a long interview, so I'll have to think about it. But I'll try and do a little YouTube overview. And until next time, stay and be well.